Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. What's up, Fusion? Man, it's good to see you guys tonight. I appreciate that. Thank you. Man, I'm excited about tonight. I'm excited for a few reasons. Um, One, I'm just grateful to be able to be here, uh, to be in the house of God, to be able to talk about God tonight. And I'm I'm especially excited for each and every one of you guys who's here. If you're watching online, I'm excited because I know that God wants to speak something to us tonight. And we started on it last week. Uh, How many of you guys were here last week? Okay. So you know that we started talking about the concept of insecurity last week. And I'm excited because, as I mentioned last week, I believe that insecurity is one of the greatest threats to us living out God's purpose and plan for our lives. And so if we get a hold of God's truth, and if you and I become secure in who we are in Christ and not in like a surface level way, not in a, oh, I'm a Christian, so I'm secure. But no, if we actually become unwavering in how we live life, if we actually become strong and anchored in how we live life, there is nothing that could stand in the way of us walking out the plan that God has for us. Amen. Do you believe that? Does anybody want to be anchored Does anybody want to be secure? Does anybody want to be strong in the Lord? Does anybody want to reach their purpose and not be living in the wavering and in the questioning and in the doubt? Does anybody want to be led with purpose and intent and clarity and security? Well, if that's the case, I see that hand in the back. If that's the case, then I think you came to the right place or I think you clicked to the right place because I know that God has something important that he wants to speak to us about this. And so um, I want to pray and then I want to jump in for the night. So as I mentioned last week and as I've been talking about, I don't want to just pray, but I want us all to pray. I want us to be praying. I want you to step into this time with an expectation of what God can do. God can speak something to you tonight that changes your life. I fully and firmly believe that. God can give you a level of clarity. God can speak one thing. Maybe it won't be the answer to the specific question that you're asking, but maybe it'll be what you need. Because sometimes we're not asking the right question, but God always gives us the right answer. And God is always available. He's always here. And so I want us to step into this time, not with an expectation of what Pastor Vance put together, but an expectation that when we gather in the name of Jesus, he's here in the midst of us because he said he would be. 
And he says, when we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him. He said, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. And so I want us to step into this time with an expectation that we will find God, that we will hear God, that we will get guidance, that he is our shepherd, that he is taking us step by step through life and that he has a vision and a plan for our lives, that he formed us in our mother's womb. And he knew the plans that he had for us and he didn't forget it when you became an adult. He didn't forget it when you went through a difficult experience. He didn't forget it when you got confused. God has never been confused. God has never been thrown off. God never forgot the plan or the purpose for your life. And though we waver sometimes, he doesn't. God is secure. And so I want us to pray that God would speak to us what he wants to speak to us about being secure in him right now. And if you're online, I want you to pray as well. So let's pray. Father, we invite you into our hearts in this moment. Lord, we've gathered here in your name. We are here looking for you. You are the only reason we are here. We are not here to hear ourselves. Nobody's here to hear me. God, we have gathered here seeking you. And we know that we have access to you. We know that Jesus Christ, your son, came to earth so that we would be able to have access in moments like this to you and that you would have relationship with us and that you would guide us, that you would speak to us. And we know this is, the one, of, well, this is one of the ways that you want to engage with us. And so, God, we know that we are not here just because we want to be here, but we are here because you want us to be here. And so, Lord, I thank you that you have some things that you want us to know tonight. You have some things that you want to speak to us about. Lord, you have ways that you want to reveal yourself tonight. You have ways that you want to manifest yourself tonight. And Lord, we know that only you can accomplish your plan. And so we open our hearts. We open our minds. Give us direction, Lord. As we talk about a concept like insecurity, uh, there are inevitably reservations in some of our minds. This is a battle uh, that a lot of us are facing. And so, God, I just thank you that you've given us victory already. Lord, that you've given us eternal security. And if we could know that in the deepest parts of us, it will change our lives. And so, Lord, do what only you can do. Speak to us tonight through your word. Reveal yourself by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So uh, we I asked this question last week as we were talking about just the idea of security and insecurity. And we talked about how uh, security is about something not giving way, it being fixed or fastened so that it won't give way. It won't become loose and it won't be lost. And so we talked about the idea that a lot of the things that as young adults, especially that we place our trust in are all things that can give way, become loose and be lost. Our financial status, our career status, uh, no matter what it is, whether we've bought a home, whether we've got good credit, whether we're in a relationship, those things, none of those things are eternally secure. And so we wanted to ask this question last week, and I want us to dive back into this in a mo- for a moment, just for us to explore. I asked this question, especially if you weren't here last week, uh, what do you feel like you have to be in 
to be secure? And ask yourself that question honestly. What do you feel like you have to be in to be secure? Because I'll tell you, that's probably what you spend most of your time chasing. So if you feel like you have to be in, say, a relationship to be secure, you probably spend most of your time thinking about that, fashioning your life and orienting your life around that, setting things up to build towards that. Anybody tracking with me? Have you found that? That, man, if you feel like you have to be in this thing to be secure, you will orient your life around it. Or maybe you feel like you have to be in the right friendship circle to be secure. Feel like you have to be in the in crowd and you spend your time thinking about fitting in, thinking about who's going to let you in and who's not, what people think about you and what they don't think about you. And you could spend your time and your energy, even if it's not like a bunch of physical efforts, you can spend so much emotional and mental energy on these things. Maybe you feel like you have to be in a particular career. Has anybody felt that? You feel like you're not totally secure until you're in a particular career. Maybe in a particular school. Has anybody ever been told that you have to go to some prestigious school and get the best grades and you got to go there on a scholarship and you got to get this job that's going to pay X, Y, Z? Has anybody ever heard that? And then you feel like you have to be in that in order to be secure. Why? Because this is what most of the world pitches to us as how we get security. That's always the intention. Go do these things so that you can be secure. Secure a good job. Secure your career. And then as we mentioned, something like 2020 happens. And it doesn't matter how good your job was. If the world stops and your company can't operate, even some of the best jobs shut down. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's not secure. If it can give way, if it can become loose, if it can be lost, it's not secure. So let me ask you again. What do you feel like? And I want you to ask this question for real. Don't just say, well, I know I just need to be in Christ to be secure. But then you actually spend your life seeking to be in something else. Examine this. What do I feel like I have to be in? Maybe I feel like I have to be in a position of influence to be secure. Maybe I need people following me and affirming me and telling me that I have something valuable to say in order to feel secure. Maybe I feel like I have to be in front of people in order to be secure. Maybe I feel like I have to have a microphone in my hand in order to be secure. Maybe I feel like I have to have people's attention in order to be secure. And I'm secretly yearning for these things, seeking them in order to be secure. Now, mind you, as I mentioned, now none of the things that I mentioned are bad things. Nor am I saying that any of those things are not in God's plan for your life. What I am saying is that none of those things are secure. None of them. Nothing in this life is totally secure because our world is temporary by nature. Everything has to come to an end. Your very life 
as you know it, has to come to an end at some point. And most of us don't spend a lot of our time thinking about that, but it's just the reality. I had the privilege and opportunity to be speaking at a funeral service for one of our, the members of our church this morning. And something that you think about when you are uh, at a celebration of life is you notice what people say. And you, it kind of reminds you what life is about because nobody talked about bank account information. Nobody talked about stocks and bonds. Nobody talked about uh, real career stuff or degrees or anything like that. Nobody talked about it. Not to say that the person wasn't doing well, just to say nobody was talking about it. That's not really what resonated with people. You know what everybody was talking about? What that person meant to them. The effect that he had on their lives. The legacy that he left for his family. The love that he shared and showed. This was somebody who was in ministry in our church, in our marriage ministry, small groups, would help at-risk youth. I mean, just nonstop serving people. And it gets you thinking, man, we can spend a lot of our time doing things that nobody's going to be talking about when we're gone. And I think these are the necessary reminders that we have to have to, to stay focused on what's actually secure. Because the beautiful thing about uh, being able to be at a celebration like this is the gospel. And a reminder that this is what the gospel is about. The gospel, Jesus didn't come because he's like, you guys are bad and I need to make you a little better and I need you to just sin less. But no, the issue was our life was temporary and we can't live forever without him. That was the issue. That's why God stepped out of heaven. It's not like, oh, I want you guys to just be a little better. No, it's the fact that, that humanity had fallen into sin and rebellion and could no longer dwell eternally with God in his presence. God had to fix that because death was our issue. And the fact that we had no security was the issue. So Jesus Christ came to give us security. He said, I came that you would have life and life more abundantly. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There is only one way to have true security. And he proved that by after offering himself as a sacrifice, after being brutally murdered, he raised from the dead to show that he had the power to actually grant us security. You can't take his life from him. That's somebody who has actual power, actual security. That's someone who can offer you security. Everyone else is offering you good advice. I need more than good advice. I need somebody to speak to me who actually has some authority. And I need us to, to actually start taking that posture in life where we're not allowing people to guide us just because they sound good when they're saying stuff. But this is happening all the time. Every, let me teach you how to manifest stuff. Who are you? What have you done? Nothing. You just have good lighting in your video. And now I'm supposed to believe you as an expert. 
There's no authority to speak on anything. You have to have authority to be able to speak on anything. And here, I'm not speaking on my own authority. I'm speaking on the authority of the word of God. I'm sharing with you his teaching because I don't have the authority to tell you what life is about, but he does because he created you. And he's the one who, who is, who's been alive forever and will be alive forever. He who was and is and is to come, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the resurrection and the life. Who has more names than we can count. The Lord who heals, the Lord your strength, the Lord your victory. The Lord who's more than enough. That's who has authority. And that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus resurrected. It wasn't just so we could sing songs and say, okay, Jesus forgave my sins. Jesus died for my sins. I'm going to go to heaven one day. No, it's deeper than that. We had this issue of insecurity that we, we couldn't hold on to anything. You can't hold on to your life. You can't keep your heart beating. You can't keep breath in your lungs. Only he can do that. There's nothing that you can guarantee to yourself. And he says tomorrow is not promised. But he did promise us something, and that's eternal life. And so, that, so tomorrow here is not promised. Tomorrow as you know it is not promised. But eternal life is promised to you. And so when we ask the question, where can we find security? It's in Jesus. And not in a fluffy surface level way. No, we can really find security in Jesus. That's the only place you can find security. And that's why we dove into Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. And I want to, we've been reading this over the past few weeks, and I want this to start sinking down deep because this needs to gauge and, and guide our life. This needs to be how we gauge our lives. This needs to be how we measure what's happening in a day because I don't know, did anybody have a rough day today? Some of us had a rough day today, but sometimes we need to put what's going on against the right measuring stick, right? And so we can feel like, oh man, life is going terrible and, and all these things, and it may be, but in reality, there's something that you have that's secured that nobody can take from you that kind of makes that stuff pale in comparison. And we find it here in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6, where Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. Every blessing available. Every blessing that God ever created has been given to those who are in Christ. And it's not something that's going to happen, it's something that has happened. He says, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And so he's saying, you've been chosen before God even created the world, he chose you. 
that security, before anything negative ever took place, before God said, let there be light, before any of that, before he even created Adam, he chose you. In him, before the foundation of the world. And not just for no reason, he chose you so that you would be holy and blameless before him. And we talked about this last week, that he gives this picture of a marriage where to be holy is to be set apart. But he didn't just want people who were set apart and a mess, but he wanted to set aside you for himself because he wants real relationship with you and not a relationship that you share with everybody else and you give your affections and your attention to everybody else. But no, he wanted a real relationship to the point that he compared it to a marriage because it's the only picture that he could give us that we would really understand. It's the closest that we could get to it, even though it's deeper than that. And so it's not a romantic thing, but it's a picture so that we could understand how close he wants our relationship to be. That he wants to set aside for himself as a groom wants his bride set aside for himself and doesn't want to share her with anyone else. It says holy, that means to be set apart. And then blameless, that means spotless. That means perfect. That means sinless. It means I can't even complain about you. You're awesome. But we couldn't be that without Jesus paying the price for us to actually be washed clean and for us to actually be found blameless. And before you ever sinned, before you ever messed up, before you ever rebelled, before you ever walked away from God, he chose you to be holy and blameless before him. And so he already had a plan in mind for you. He already had your redemption in mind. No matter what you would go through, no matter the pain you would experience, no matter how you would turn away from him, no matter the things that you would say to him, he knew that he wanted you and chose you before he started any of this to be holy and blameless before him. And so you're blessed with every spiritual blessing, you're chosen and you're destined to be in perfect relationship with God. And this is about where we left off last week and I'm excited to talk about these two particular areas tonight about how this applies to our everyday lives. Right, And so I want to talk about two areas where Christ provides security for us. Now, remember, we're talking about something secure can't be, can't be loosened. It can't waver. It can't be taken away. It can't be lost. And something that's not secure can do all those things. And so I want us to think through that lens as we're talking about these subjects. So the first thing that Jesus Christ wants to provide you is security in your work. You can be secure in your work. Secure in your work. That means I can be secure because if a job can be taken away, that means I can be secure whether I have a job or not. I can be secure in my work even if I don't have a job. I can be secure in my work even if I don't have the position that I want. I can be secure in my work, whether I feel qualified, whether I feel equipped, whether I feel well-trained, well-educated, regardless, I can be secure in my work. Well, how is that? I want us to talk about uh, a parable that Jesus mentioned in Luke 12, 16 through 21, uh, to highlight 
some of the some of the ways that our culture views how to be secure in what we're doing in life and how Jesus says that it's not actually secure. And then I want to talk about what's actually secure. So first, I want to talk about what appears secure. That is not always secure. Luke 12, 16 through 21. He says, it says, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So what's he telling in this? He's talking about a guy who had a bunch of stuff, right? Say you had a great year with your investments, with your work. And I mean, you just have so much money that you don't have enough space for it. Say you're Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, right? You just got so much money at this point is just like a number. You don't even feel it when you buy stuff. What can't you buy? It's just, you just got everything. You don't even know where to put it. Where, where does Bill Gates put his money? I don't know. Wells Fargo? Doubt it. Like, where do you put $50 billion, $100 billion? Where do you put that? I don't know. If y'all know, congratulations. Still doesn't matter, according to Jesus. What he's saying is this guy got to a point where he just had so much. All the things that so many of us are striving for as we're looking for financial security He's saying that this guy reached the pinnacle of financial security where he's like, look, I don't even have enough room for all these crops. I'm going to tear down my barns and build new ones just so it can house all my stuff. You know, imagine if like you just had so many clothes that you just had to tear down your whole house and build a whole new house as a closet. Just store everything there. And what Jesus is saying here is this person had the wrong focus because he felt he, what he said was, I'm a chill now. I'm good. I don't have to do anything. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to go put some work in now. I'm going to go do anything for anybody. No, he said, I'm good. I've reached the pinnacle. I'm literally just going to eat, drink and be merry. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink and I'm going to be happy for like the rest of my life. That is the perfect definition of the worldly idea of security, right? You just get to a point where you don't even need to do anything anymore. Like you're good, you're set. You got it figured out, no more work to do. Now I'm just gonna go have fun. And yet God calls this person a fool. Says you fool. This very night, your life is going to be demanded from you. Then what will you have to show 
for all the stuff that you've stored up. And so what appeared secure was not actually secure in the same way that you and I could be chasing some things that appear very secure, but are not secure. We can be chasing, again, those relationships that seem like, man, they're just going to set us up for success. And then you could either get in it and find, wow, this isn't necessarily uh, what's going to bring me security in my life. In fact, it's pointed out all the other ways I'm insecure. Or the reality is the, the, one of the huge challenges that we deal with is life is temporary, right? And so we can spend our whole lives orienting it around finding a spouse. And then the reality is nobody lives forever. So there's no guarantee even how long your spouse is going to be with you. There's no, there's no security. And so in a very real way, we can find that what we're chasing after and what we think is going to bring us security we can find out in a very real way that it's not actually going to be secure. But here's what is secure. And remember, we're talking about work because this is one of the ways that a lot of us find insecurity is in our work. Here's what's actually secure. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship, talking about God, created in Christ Jesus for good, say it, works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Say walk. So here's what's secure. As we mentioned how God chose you before the foundation of the world, he not only chose you to be in him, to be in relationship with him, to be set aside for him, to be washed clean, to be made blameless, to forgive you for your sins, but he also prepared stuff for you to do. This guy just hadn't found what God actually created him to do. Clearly, the guy in the parable was under the impression that he was there to get stuff and to store stuff up. And yet God calls him a fool. And this is not saying that God doesn't ever want us to get anything. That's not the case. But we have to know what the work is that God is calling us to. If we don't want to be a fool and live our lives chasing something that's not secure. God is saying here that we're his workmanship. He created us four good works and prepared them beforehand that we should just walk in them. And I think we need to meditate on this for a moment. Think about this. Before you were born, before you ever wondered what your career would be, before you ever wondered what you would do with your life, before you ever wondered what your purpose was, God actually already mapped out what he wanted you to do. And says that he created it so that you would walk in it. He didn't say that he prepared works beforehand so that you should run around trying to find out what it is. That you should go chasing after it. That you should go building, building, building until he has to tear everything down and have you start over. Doesn't say 
that he prepared good works so that you would be confused for your life, for your whole life and never find them. But actually, he created work for you to just walk in. I mean, just walk in. Does anybody find walking to be really stressful? Hopefully not. It's one of the least challenging things in life for most people, right? Just walking in it. Walking in it. Walking in it. This is what Jesus is saying he's designed us to do and what he desires for us as it comes to our work. He doesn't want us to be insecure. There's work for you to do that God just wants you to walk in. And so sometimes that looks like being at a certain school. Sometimes that looks like studying. Sometimes that looks like preparing well for the test. Sometimes that looks like uh, operating in excellence in your schoolwork. Sometimes that looks like being at the job. Sometimes that looks like being honoring to your boss. Sometimes that looks like being loving and a light to your coworkers. Sometimes that looks like not having a job at the moment. <laughs> Doesn't say not having a job and not working, but that he's prepared work for you to do. That just may not be at a particular job in the moment. Now it's important for you to be close enough to him to figure out whether it's laziness or an actual calling in that season. Because sometimes we're scratching and clawing and applying everywhere and that's not a bad thing but we're totally missing him. And what'll happen is we don't have a job. So we focus all our time on trying to get a job. God, I don't have time to read my Bible. I'm applying for jobs. God, I don't have time to pray right now about anything except getting a job. God, I don't have time right now because I don't have what I need. So I don't have time for you. So I can't walk with you because I'm too busy chasing the things that I think that I need. But God is saying he's prepared work for you to walk in. I don't know if that's hitting you like that hits me. But that means whatever God's called me to do, no matter how challenging it is, no matter how simple it might seem, he's still wanting me to walk in what he's called me to. And so some of us, some of us struggle with doubt when it comes to our giftings, when it comes to our calling, when it comes to, man, could I really do that? Like God has put a dream inside of you, a vision inside of you. I won't even say a dream. God has put a vision inside of you for where he wants to take you and you struggle with, I don't know if I could do that. You could if you walked in it. He's already prepared it for you to walk in. He does the heavy lifting. God, I don't have the network for that. I don't know the right people. God, I, don't, I didn't grow up that way. I don't feel like, man, maybe I can't talk the way that I want to be able to talk. Or maybe I don't operate at the level of the people that I see in this field. And yet it feels like you're calling me to do this. Yeah, 
He's calling you to walk in what he's prepared for you. And some of you have maybe overlooked what he's called you to because it seemed too simple, seemed too basic, doesn't pay enough, doesn't carry enough clout, doesn't carry enough weight, doesn't make people look at me and be impressed. And God's still calling you to walk in that. We see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus walked in what he was called to. No matter how difficult, no matter how much he was mocked and insulted and talked about. Again, the Bible describes him as a man acquainted with much grief, a man of many sorrows. Yet he walked in what he was called to when he was struggling in the garden of Gethsemane and not wanting to go to the cross and, and asking God, man, if there's any other way, he see some of us have this like dainty picture of Jesus in our mind from like Sunday school. Like Jesus just jumped on the cross and <laughs> forgave our sins. And he was so meek and kind and he just took the cross for me. No, Jesus was like you and me and didn't want to do what God was calling him to do. The difference between him and many of us is he still obeyed. He struggled with it to the point that he sweated blood. He told his disciples, I'm overcome. Like I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Like I feel like I could die right now just thinking about what I have to go through. This is what Jesus says. This is the Jesus we worship. This is why we give our lives to him because he paid a high price for us walking in what God prepared for him to do. And sometimes what God is calling you to walk in is costly. Sometimes what God is calling you to walk in is painful. Sometimes it looks glamorous on the outside. Like, oh, the son of God, that looks lit. <laughs> so you're on a cross. Dying for all of humanity. Sometimes the, the positions that you see of influence, man, they look exciting. They look appealing. They look attractive. And then you wonder why people are crumbling in them. Why people can't seem to keep their integrity or their character. Why people can't seem to keep their relationships together. Why people can't seem to be healthy. Why even all the people of influence are saying they're having just as, much just as many challenges in their mental health as you are. Because those things aren't secure. And these things that appear like they're going to bring a security don't necessarily do it. And a lot of times we're thinking like, man, if I could just get there, I'll be good. I'll be secure. I won't deal with all this stress. And then you don't realize, man, like the, the, the further you're going, you, you don't realize that the challenges God is bringing you through right now is actually preparing you for the challenges you're going to face when you get to where he's taking you. You think the challenges 
get less? You think the resistance decreases? No. And I want to I correct your, your perspective on life and your theology if you think that the higher God takes you and the deeper God takes you, that life gets easier. It doesn't. Sometimes God is taking you through a path that you're walking down and it looks like the valley of the shadow of death. And this is why David said, first he said, you caused me to lie down in green pastures. Psalm 23, right? You lead me beside still waters. You refresh my soul. Then he says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And some of us haven't, haven't gotten to that point in life. We just want the green pastures and the still waters. I thought that's what life was about. And God is like, no, there's a valley of, there's a valley of the shadow of death because I want you to learn how to not even fear the darkest places. I want you to learn how to walk in victory, even in the most challenging situations. I want you to understand Jesus said, the Bible tells us that the son of God, Jesus Christ was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. It means he came to destroy what the devil was doing. And then he says that he was seated at the right hand of the throne of God, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And then it goes on to say that we were seated with him. Right. So he came to destroy the works of the enemy. He did it because it also tells us that he made a mockery of the kingdom of darkness on the cross. Just made a fool out of him because what they were trying to do against him actually caused all of our redemption. And guaranteed us victory. Then he was seated at the right hand of the throne of God, far above every demonic power above every devil that exists, above every enemy that comes against you. And then it's fulfilled where it says in Psalms that you will tread on the lion and the serpent. And then Jesus comes and he talks to his disciples and he says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy and to trample on snakes and scorpions. He, he, he followed through with his plan to give us victory. Victory, real security. And this is what God wants for us. And this is why we don't need to fear the valley of the shadow of death. You can feel like you're in the darkest place and you're still walking through a place that Jesus has conquered. You can be battling the strongest enemy and you're battling an enemy that Jesus has conquered because it says that he's far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion over everything that has any power, any dominion, any rule, any authority. And then he says that he seated us with him. And so you're above it. And sometimes you just need to walk through it to see it. But you don't think about those things when you're like, man, I want to go deeper with God. And he's like, cool, start casting out some demons. I'm going to show you how to do it. And you're like, oh. <laughs> it's real, though. This is real. And this is what God is calling us to. And he's prepared it for us a long time in advance. And I actually want us to, uh, to look at something that I found was phenomenal. As I was talking about 
As, and as I, I was thinking about God preparing works in advance for us, he gives us this beautiful picture in, in scripture, this prophecy that he gives. Uh, it's really interesting that he does this. In the book of Isaiah, which was written in like the 700s BC, like between 770 and 755 BC, he gives this prophecy that he's going to raise up a king named Cyrus. Uh, and he says this, he says, in Isaiah 45, chapters, uh, in Isaiah 45, verses one through seven, says, this is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name for the sake of Jacob, my servant of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to this place of its setting, people may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. And so he's saying to this person named Cyrus that he's about to do all these things. And then in the 500s is when Cyrus actually shows up. So Isaiah is the one who wrote this down in the 700s. Fast forward to the 500s and is when this guy Cyrus actually shows up. God prophesied. 150 years before Cyrus actually showed up that a guy named Cyrus, he was going to put in a position of honor that he, and he, that he was going to take territory with him. Said that he would do all these things. And I thought that it was really interesting. We have a, we have the, a picture that I want to show you guys where King Cyrus actually, so this is, this is one of the ways that they documented things in ancient times and why it's still preserved today. They actually inscribed in stone things that were happening. So this is what King Cyrus actually had inscribed about his life. And I have a little excerpt here that I want to read. And you can leave the picture up. I just want you to hear this. It says, this ancient clay cylinder dates from the 6th century BC and contains a declaration from Cyrus the Great. The first section describes Cyrus's greatness and mercy, common themes in such declarations. The second section, composed of Cyrus's own words, describes how he returned captive peoples and their gods to their native lands. It also records his hope that all the returned gods will inter intercede before Bel and Nabu, the chief Babylonian gods, on his behalf. The description of Cyrus's mercy and efforts to return captives supports the biblical account of Israel's restoration from exile. Okay, so what's happening here? Cyrus had his life documented, his conquests documented. We still have this to this day where he's talking about his conquest and how he took all this territory, crushed the Babylonian empire, and then released the exiles back to their places. Why are we talking about this? Because God told Israel 
that because of their rebellion, he was going to send them into exile. And then after 70 years, he would free them. So here's what happens, right? Like 770 BC, he talks to Isaiah about how he's going to raise up a king named Cyrus. Then in around like the 620 to 600 area, uh, this, this exile actually starts manifesting where the Babylonians take over Israel and they actually, uh, over the next 20 years through like the 580s, they actually take the Israelites into captivity, take them out of their native land. And it's not until uh, about 60, 70 years from then that Cyrus shows up rises to this position of honor and does the things that God said that he would do all these years ago when God said that he was going to go before him and would level the mountains, break down gates, cut through bars of iron, that he would give him hidden treasures and all these things. And he would do these things so that he would know that that it was God who did these things for him. But what's being said here is that God chose this man all these years ago, has this plan all play out that he's taking his people through and then actually uses a guy named Cyrus to rise into power and to crush the most powerful empire on the planet. Why are we saying this? Because Cyrus's work was secured. It was just planned out. He thought he was so great. He's like, inscribe my life on stone. I've done all these amazing things. I want it to be documented. And God's like, it was already documented 200 years ago when I said that I was going to do this through you. And for you and I, we have to understand that what was prepared for us was prepared for us. And we just have to walk it out. And so Cyrus, even though he was not a follower of God, was still created by God. And God said, though you do not acknowledge me, I'm still going to do all these things through you so that you will know that I am really the Lord. And just like he called him out by name, God has called you out by name way before you showed up and prepared something for you to do. And so if ever you doubt, do I have a purpose? Is there a reason why I'm here? Am I gifted? The answer is yes. And there is work for you to walk in. Walk in. And a lot of us may feel like I mentioned earlier about, man, I don't necessarily feel super qualified to be able to do this. Um, And I want to share something with you about the the people that Jesus chose personally to, to work with him and to carry out the greatest work on the planet, which was starting the early church, carrying on the work of Jesus Christ after he was resurrected. In Acts 4.13, says, uh, talking about the, uh, the Pharisees and people who were observing what the disciples were doing, it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, these are Jesus' disciples, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So Peter and John were not impressive people. They were not well-educated. They were not particularly special in the eyes of people. But when people saw what God did through them, they were astonished and understood that it could only be Jesus. And God has the same desire for you and I, that sometimes there's a gap 
between what you're qualified to do and what you're called to do. And that gap is actually the space God needs. I would put it this way. Your lack of qualification is the space God uses for his glorification. Somebody needs to write this down, stamp it somewhere, and understand that your lack of qualification doesn't indicate that you're not supposed to be where God is calling you. It's just saying that, hey, even though you're not qualified for this, that's actually what I'm going to use to show people that I'm in it. You can be secure in what God has called you to do. Man. I'm just wondering if I'm about to share this next point or if I'm going to close. I want to share this. Um, The second thing that we can be secure in is your relationship status. You can be secure in your relationship status. And though I'm not going to do a a deep dive on this tonight, uh, specifically in the area of romantic relationships, I, I want us to be aware of this because I want us to start walking this out. So you can be secure in your relationship status in the sense that you can be secure whether you're in a relationship or not. You can be secure whether you feel desired by people or not. You can be secure whether you're in the right circle of people or not because of what God has chosen you for, what God has prepared for you. Those are the things that are secure. How well people like you or not is not secure. People can like you today and not like you tomorrow. Has anybody ever heard somebody tell them that they love you and they're not around anymore? I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Most of us have experienced being told that we're loved and that person is nowhere to be found because it's not secure. And yet our society will act like, man, that's what life is all about. Just finding that person who loves you, who's in love with you, who would love you beyond your faults and will, you know, actually love your faults and won't be annoyed by anything you do. Just want to say that's not in the Bible. That's not secure. Your relationship with the God who created you is what's secure. And this is, this is difficult for us to receive a lot of times because even you can look at me and be like, well, you're married. Easy for you to say. I wasn't always married, first of all. <laughs> wasn't always in a relationship. First of all, I've had to walk through this as well. And I still have to walk through this because getting married doesn't make you secure. Some of you guys might be surprised by that. Saying I do doesn't provide all the security you need in life. In fact, when you say I do, you better have security in the most important relationship that you have. You need to be secure in your relationship with Christ because what you'll walk through with another person is not secure. Things change on a day to day. Circumstances change. Challenges arise. Conflicts arise. Differences arise. Things happen. But when two people are secure, 
in Christ, that is how you get a good union and a good partnership. And you're actually going somewhere. And I'm not relying on you to do the things for me that only Jesus can do. Only Jesus can make promises that can never be broken. Only Jesus can love me to the depths that I need to be loved in order to not waver in my identity. Only Jesus, only Jesus can love you in the way that you need to be loved in order for you to not waver in your identity. Because if it, people's love can be shaken. <laughs> yeah, somebody knows what I'm talking about. The shaky. People's love can be shaken, man. Only the love of Christ can't be shaken, can't be changed. In fact, Jesus loves you deeper than you even know. And the reason that that's beautiful is because with, with God, you don't get to a place where you're like, oh, wow, I thought you loved me more than this. In fact, you only get to places that say, I didn't know you loved me this much. This is, this is the journey that God has for us that can't be shaken. This is why I don't need to find my identity in another person because Jesus has the journey for me where I'll continue to fall in a deeper and a deeper and a deeper understanding of his love for me. And then out of that love, I endeavor to exhibit that love to my wife. And she does the same. But it can only come from there first. It's only from receiving the love that actually gives you a well to draw from, to pour it out to other people. And that's where you find security. You need a well. A well. Some of us are trying to go sip from a water fountain. Jesus has a well of love, deep, deep that you can draw from, never runs out. And that's the only way you can give it away so you can be secure. And when you are secure in your relationship status, you can actually do what the scripture says in Philippians 2, verse 3. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So how can I value everyone else more than myself and it be out of security rather than insecurity? That's the question, because it's telling me, in humility, value others above yourselves. Well, the way that you can do that properly is not by shrinking back and thinking that you're nothing. It's understanding that you already have everything you need in Christ. And so I'm not feeling in lack. I actually feel like I have an abundance. If I feel like Jesus actually has for me what he said he had when he says that I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing available, then I'm set. I'm good. 
I can love. I don't then need to operate out of selfish ambition and vain conceit trying to achieve something that God has already given to me. I don't have to go chasing after identity when he's given it to me. I don't have to go try to find some valuable work to do when he's already prepared that in advance just for me to walk in with him. That's how you can do nothing out of vain conceit or selfish ambition. And then that's how you can down in verse five says in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. And man, when you understand how much security you have in Jesus. That's how you can walk this out. So we're going to close here with this thought in mind. I asked you at the beginning, man, what do you feel like you have to be in to be secure? And then I want us to think about these areas that we're talking about. Man, do, have I felt secure in my work or have I felt like I had to be in some particular space in order to get security? Have I been secure in my relationship status or is that something I wrestle with more than I realize? And then I want us to remember that God is not offering us some false sense of security. God is not offering us something weak. God is offering us something rock solid, signed in blood, proven by resurrection from death. He's given us his Holy Spirit as a deposit of what's to come. There's no body on the planet who can offer you anything more secure than Jesus Christ. He's got everything in his hands. There's nothing that can be taken out of his hands. Nothing can be shaken when it's in his hands. And I truly believe, as I mentioned at the, when we started, that man, if we can if we can get to a place of security, not wavering in who we are in Christ, we will be unstoppable. Man, if God's called you to walk in particular works, but you're not secure in that, you can't walk. If God has called you to love others and imitate Christ who made himself a servant to all of mankind, even though he was God himself. If God's calling you to do that, and you're not secure in what he's done for you and the fact that he's chosen you before the foundations of the world and that he's destined you to be in perfect relationship with him, that he's already mapped out the plans for your life, that he has you in his hands. If you're not secure in that, it's gonna be hard to not compete with the people around you, to not compare yourself to people around you. 
But man, what if you could live your life not comparing yourself to people around you, but loving them? What if you could champion the people around you and the people who you run into who you feel like are doing better than you, who maybe have what you want? What if you could live your life in a way where you champion them because nobody can take what God has prepared for you? So I don't have to compete with you for my destiny. God has it secure. God chose me in him before the foundation of the world. God chose you in him before the foundation of the world and destined you. He chose you. He blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. He seated you with him in heavenly places. And he's prepared the works for you to walk in. What can anybody take from you? So I want us to stand to our feet. And I mentioned this scripture last week about how we can build our lives on a rock or on sand. And I want us to, to revisit that where Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. It was secure. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. What are you gonna build your life on? What have you been building your life on? Have you been building your life on a rock solid security in Jesus Christ? That's available to you. And I don't want us to take these moments for granted where we have an opportunity to encounter God and to hear from God and engage with him. We're about to go into a moment of worship. And I want to invite some people who have maybe been on the fence a little bit. Because for some of you, you need to take a step that reflects security right now. Jesus Christ has provided security for you for all of eternity. And yet some of us can feel reserved and we're worried about what people are thinking about us. Man, if you can't worship here, where everybody's here to worship. How are you going to be able to worship God? I want you to take these times to learn the power of lifting your hands and giving yourself to him and engaging with him and opening your heart and opening your ears. The power of repentance, of saying, God, maybe I've been messing up this week. Maybe I've been messing up for five years. Maybe I've been getting it wrong but I wanna build my life on something secure. I realize that, man, maybe I have been putting weight on things that can't hold weight. I've been putting weight on relationships that can't hold weight. I've been putting weight on work and career opportunities and things that I feel like I don't have and it can't hold the weight, but you can hold the weight. And you can learn in these moments what it means to cast your cares onto him because he cares for you. 
And so we're about to go into a time of worship, just singing about building our life in Jesus Christ. And I wanna invite you to make a decision, to make a clear decision to say, God, I'm going to put my life in your hands. Not in a, I'm gonna get saved way if you're already saved. I mean, I'm really gonna walk this out. I'm really gonna put my life in your hands. I'm gonna be vulnerable with you. I'm going to give you the things that I've been scared to give you that have been holding me back from where you're trying to take me. And maybe some of you are saying, no, I do need the getting saved kind of way. I do need the, I need to be in relationship with Jesus because I've been putting my life on things that can't hold any weight and I've just found that that is not the way to live and I want a relationship with the God who's created me. And if that's you, I want you to open your heart in this time. And I believe he wants to speak some things to you and I actually wanna pray a prayer with you when I come back up. But in this time, I want us to be reflecting. I want us to be opening our hearts. I want us to be stepping into a place of vulnerability with God to actually allow him into these spaces in our lives. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna worship. God, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you that we even have the opportunity to worship you. Lord, I thank you that we have breath in our lungs today, that we have the ability to speak to you and engage with you and hear from you, God. We don't take it for granted. Lord, we thank you that you've given us access to you, Lord, the God of all creation, almighty, and you want relationship with us. And though you're on the throne, you're still here with us. And so, Father, I just pray that you would speak to us in these moments. Lord, that you would bring comfort to those who need comfort. You would bring healing to those who need healing. You would bring revelation of your love to all of us who need a revelation of your love. And that you would meet us in this moment as we seek your face, because you said when we seek you with our whole hearts, we will find you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.